welcome to the Deliberation Chamber. Your home for the hottest of the hot takes, the hardest of the face rakes, and the jabroni of the week, man. Welcome live from Austin, Texas. It is me, your host, Matt G, and we have an action-packed chamber for you this week. We're going to have our first ever guest host in the chamber, and all five of the members of the Deliberation Chamber will be getting after it today. So let's just get straight into it. Who is going to be the first member in the chamber? Hey, yo, Brian G, back from paternity leave. How you doing, brother? Ooh, I'm coming in hot, brother. It's good to be back in the chamber right now. Let me tell you what's happening. Oh, could not be happier to have you back in here. Let's start off. We're going to keep AEW for a little bit later, but we're on the road to Survivor Series after some questionable WWE booking, uh, a less than eventful Saudi Arabia show. Uh, what's your take on the road to uh, Survivor Series so far? Well, in general, I think it's just a badass wrestling thing when somebody from a different uh, different federation or a different company comes to invade another company. Now, granted, NXT is obviously still they're all just WWE employees, but they have a its own identity from like Raw or SmackDown, and I think it's just dope seeing like Adam Cole show up with the NXT title to take on Daniel Bryan, for instance, in the in the main event of SmackDown. Like two indie darlings like that, just having a a really solid like clinic of a match. I, I could watch. And that every single week, as far as I'm concerned, I'm really down for that. Yeah, I've been super impressed uh, with some of the things going on. I think any match with Adam Cole is going to be fantastic. I think the SmackDown show two weeks ago was one of the best shows they've ever done with the invasion angle. But I feel like it's starting to lose steam fast. Um, and I don't know how they keep this up for the next month to get intrigue going into the Survivor Series show. Uh, I am intrigued, though. And let's talk about this. The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. Do you think that takes place at Survivor Series? Uh, I feel like they would drag it out longer than that, but I would love to see it at Survivor Series. I mean, I think at the at the end of the day, transitioning away from the Seth Rollins feud and giving him someone as solid as Daniel Bryan, who right now, honestly, he's one of those guys who gets better and better. Like he uh, can do almost anything. I feel like no matter what the WWE throws at him, Daniel Bryan makes it work right now, whether it's being a heel or his kind of like general organic like transition to a babyface. So I'd be down for it to happen sooner rather than later, but I could see him dragging it out longer than that. Yeah, I can see that too, but I think that's probably the best place for The Fiend to go now is to Daniel Bryan. That, that guy can carry this feud, make it interesting, make it creative. So uh, I, I agree with you on that. Uh-oh. The Fiend. Time for the next entrant. Who is it going to be? The Lavender Prince is back, baby. What's up, Prince? How are you doing today, dude? I'm doing well, fellas. Good to be back in the chamber with the Gonzalez brothers. Yeah, it watch smell, it brother. smells really good in here. What's that smell? It's like, ooh, it's like it's lavender. I mean, it's it's really. I think delightful. it might be. I think it might be the smell of black smoke. As soon as your your right pot in opened in the chamber, it just like this gust of lavender scent. I think it's, it might it's, be the smell of black, black smoke from the fire takes that are about to take place in here, Brian. Uh-oh, well, uh-oh, all I know is the second I smell lavender, I just want to take a nap and. Especially after Mike's opinions. They just put me straight to sleep. 
Well, it certainly oh. hasn't. Well, there, well, there certainly hasn't been much going on, considering the only thing that Brian said so far has reminded us that NXT is a WWE brand. So we appreciate that, Brian. You're back off to a, a really hot start. Mama freaking me! Mike's coming at me already. Mama uh, <laughs> No, God. <laughs> But Mike, what is your take on the road to Survivor Series right now? Um, I like it. I do. To be honest with you, I do agree a lot with some of the stuff that Brian's saying. I love. I mean, you guys know I'm a huge Adam Cole guy. I also love not only the invasion angle from NXT to SmackDown, which is interesting that the best episode of SmackDown we've seen comes off of the heels of an, a travel issue, which should tell you that, you know, even the normal, the normal bookings better than the, or worse than the mistakes that are made by WWE, which is interesting. But I also love the OC um, finding their way down to full sale university as well. I thought that was even more interesting than the, than the latter. But. Oh, I don't. I uh, I missed that because I was watching another program. So they invaded full sail, huh? The OC did. Yeah. So the OC showed up at Full Sail University. Um, and ended with a really cool segment with um, with Finn Balor there, and a little moment with AJ Styles. And I think your boy, even Moro, whatever, whatever the fuck his name is, he's, he's irrelevant. Um, I think actually made. <laughs> I think they actually he actually made a, a comment about looks said something along the lines of like oh this is a flashback from the the land of the rising sun obviously referring to new japan pro wrestling and the bullet club but it was really cool that's awesome oh we got an action pack chamber night who is next oh boy for the first time ever entering (laughs) the chamber we have a guest host you think he's hot. You think he's Sedley, Matt Sedley here joining us in the chamber. Welcome, Matt. How are you, buddy? What's going on, guys? I am I am pleased to be here tonight. Uh, I think this is the perfect time to shift over talk to AEW, All Elite Wrestling. Uh, we're uh, just a few days removed from their first, I guess this isn't the first official pay-per-view, but it's the first pay-per-view since Wednesday Night Dynamite came out. Uh, let's start with you, Mr. Sedley. Uh, what was your take on AEW Full Gear? How'd you think it went? I mean, Full Gear. I mean, I, I'm a guy from the Golden Age, right? The the, the Golden Era. That, that was the the big boss man Hulk Hogan. They weren't hitting people with barbed wire, and I, I was very I was very taken back when I saw what these guys were pulling out from underneath the ring. Um, it, it was much more intense than I expected. It to be. I agree with the intense comment that it was one of the most intense pay-per-views I've seen in a long time. Brian G take on uh, full gear. Um, I was really into it. I thought Cody versus Jericho was incredible. Um, I, I, especially upon rewatch, I think it really holds up. Cody's injury at first was freaking me out during the live program of it. I think he actually hard weighed himself. Like, I think that was a legit uh, injury he had, but the fact that, he just worked that into the match. Uh, I think is insane. Like Jericho started working over his ribs and his basically the scar over his eye. Like I'm assuming they did that on the fly. Um, so I, I was really into that match. I thought the Moxley versus Omega match was uh, intense to watch uh, and kind of like unsettling. Um, but oddly enough, in retrospect, um, if, if you think about it, like even though they were going at each other with barbed wire and stuff like that, 
it was generally safe uh, and only in record, like if you compare it to for instance like the lucha bros versus the young bucks in a tables ladders and chairs match where they're doing like canadian destroyers off table off of ladders that's ultimately probably way more dangerous than what kenny omega and john moxley were doing but it just looked way more graphic and intense which is kind of the idea behind a you know garbage wrestling death match but i don't know that's my take so 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 i i watched the the chris jericho match and i refer to this other gentleman as gold dust jr i'm not exactly oh, sure what that's a hot is. Cody Rhodes. Jesus, um, come on, bro. But but yeah, I mean, he looked legitimately injured. And again, I I'm I'm new to the, the the a lot of this, and and I thought they had to stop that. When I saw as much blood that was coming out of his face, I mean, I thought this man needed to be taken to the hospital. Yeah, and they kept the match going. So to Brian's point, they did keep it going, and I did. I you felt the pain the whole time. Oh, I mean, I was engaged. And again, I, I have listened to these podcasts. I have been an avid listener since the, um, the, the birth of the Deliberation Chamber. I did not understand a lot of the content. And when I dove into that match today, I, I was hooked. And, and I felt for this guy. I, I really felt that, that I was attached to, to the drama and, and to what was happening. And, and, and again, I couldn't believe how real it did seem. Yeah, it seemed... Matt, Matt I want to... I want to jump in on that too. I think that's amazing. I think we have to point back to the promo that was delivered last Wednesday by Cody Rhodes. Um, I think the best promo in the last, I mean, five years, maybe since the pipe bomb from CM Punk. But I think that, I mean, built up this match more than I've seen a match being built in in years. Yeah. So I thought that was Mike, incredible. I think that's I an amazing guys. point. I think this goes to show that given um, giving some people some freedom to write their own promos and not having them written by hired writers, you're going to get something more genuine and amazing out of your performers. And I think that's really where AEW and, I, and NXT, because they, they don't really have a writing staff like Raw and SmackDown do, have really come to shine. But, oh, we got to... It's just an action-packed night tonight, so we got to see who is coming in next to the chamber. It's been a long week, but the fans have been waiting, and they now get to listen to what the professor has to say. Guys, how are we all doing tonight? I'm ready to hear what the papers got graded, profess. What are all the grades on the paper? Is everyone passing the uh, midterm? Finals are coming up, and everybody is below the curve right now, which is looking really, really good. So, um, no, everybody sucks. And all the opinions suck tonight. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Did we hear, did we hear that everybody is stoked for Survivor Series? When the, when the WWE completely botched this, how are you going to have Brock Lesnar change networks where you could clearly have the world heavyweight championship be between SmackDown and raw. You leave Brock on SmackDown. You have Ray on raw. Why is that not a match? Why are you going to move Brock over to raw and have him fight at survivor series? Complete botch. Nobody brought it up. A fail F's on everybody's paper. Damn it. Jeff. How many margaritas, how many margaritas did you have before the taping of this episode? I know they were you extra skinny. The teacher never reveals his They were extra skinny. That's for damn sure. How many skinny? How many skinny readers did it take to get a take like that? All right. So I know Jeff that. is waiting for Kofi Kingston to get his rematch, <laughs> to get his rematch for <laughs> Kofi Mania to live again. But yeah, look, Survivor Series buildup isn't good. But let's finish on AEW. What was your take on full Please. full gear, Professor? 
all right so full gear pretty cool so my my overall take was was really looking forward to it and i felt like it was a, a an adequate um pay-per-view overall in comparison to a lot of the wwe pay-per-views that we've had adequate see. it was one of the best pay-per-views in the last 10 years adequate listen listen i'm with you a, i'm with you professor adequate it was best. a good pay-per-view it i i wasn't gonna write my mom and say oh my god Catherine, you need to check out aew's full gear but i would say is like hey you know my buddy from college, check it out, man. It was a lot better than Hell in a Cell. It was a lot better than the recent shit that uh, uh, Crown Jewel that the WWE has put out. It was a good pay-per-view. I'm not going to say that it was all glitz and glamour. It wasn't the greatest pay-per-view that I've ever seen, but it was a solid pay-per-view. It was a What's great the grade. What's the grade, Professor? B. B. Oh, B. B minus. B minus. B minus. Hey, you know what B stands for, bitch, and that's what Manila's being right now. <laughs> I, it, it was, was B good, minus. It was a good pay per view. It was a good pay per view. I, I, I think everybody could agree it wasn't the best pay per view that you've ever seen of all time. But I will tell you, for AEW for coming out and delivering that, it was great. I feel like we were missing some people. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. Uh, those are two people that I, I, I really wish would have had a match. At that people, I agree, but I like that not everyone had a match on their card. And I think um, one area, though, that I think AEW has a lot of work to do, and my friend uh, to the right of me, Mr. Sedley, pointed this out when we were watching Full Gear on the plane earlier, was really the lack of quality women's wrestling. Oh, it sucks on AEW compared to the WWE. It, that's what um, I believe our one of our other hosts had had mentioned earlier. I thought I thought I at one point it was hype. a sumo wrestling match that had gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought was going on. Matt asked if you had to be Japanese to be a woman in AEW. I wasn't sure and if we could go there that on this way. podcast, we can but go yes, that way, yeah. I, I was. I wasn't sure if that was ju- it's Japan. Not derogatory. They're actually from Japan, so and, and okay. I wasn't sure if that was a prerequisite either. I wasn't sure what was happening there. Yeah. Because last I, night, I, I feel like AEW lacks in in the women's wrestling division overall. Yeah, well, last, last night, on Raw. night. that last was on Raw. Raw. Yeah, that was on on USA, right? Yep. See, that was much higher quality. I was very, I found myself very engaged in what was happening in those women's matches, uh, purely yeah. because of the way. Yeah, they Becky Lynch, the man, is one of the greatest women performers of all time. So is Charlotte Flair. And so, yeah, I think WWE does have AEW's butt kicked in the women's wrestling arena. Um, now let's go back. Oh, hold on. We've got one more entrant. This is a chock. I, I can only imagine who's coming in chock right now. full chamber. Cut the music. Cut the music. The stash is freshly trimmed. The chest hair, I can assure you, is not... <laughs> It's time to go to war in the chamber. Oh, D-Rock. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Quick, before Thank we you, change sir. topics, what is your take on AEW Full Gear? Well, I, I'm not even sure we're talking about the biggest thing that happened in AEW Full Gear. But how about my man MJF with the epic heel turn? I loved that. I will say, though, I will say, and I, I think there is a little bit of a double standard. I think if WWE would have went with a finish – similar to the the throwing in of the the white flag that wasn't even a part of the match until the very end. 
if they would have went that route, I don't know if we would be so complimentary of that finish. I feel like AEW, there's a lot more trust there that the writers are going to get it right. And so I feel like their fans are willing to accept that type of finish. But it, I didn't feel like a fantastic finish to that type of powerful feud. Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice that it, it's not going to be the longest feud in the world. And I would love to see Cody feud with MJF, right? And I let Jericho move on. And especially with Cody putting the stipulation in there that if he loses, he'll never challenge for the world championship again. I think that's pretty meaningful. I think he'll definitely challenge for it again, but it'll be interesting to see how they get there. I agree with you guys on the the fact, and Derek, I agree with you a lot on that stuff about like, oh, they threw in the town and everything like that. But like at the end of the day, I think that, I mean, I think they led us to believe enough that that match would have ended anyway because of the way that, you know, he was obviously in the the walls of Jericho or whatever he's calling it now. Like it, it, the match was going to end regardless. And actually the reason why I'm pointing to that is because Jericho handled that really well on a post post match interview. And he's like, don't let, you know what I mean? It was really, it was really good. I thought it was a great. Did anyone notice the, the Jericho Dean Malenko stare down uh, at the beginning of the match uh, as Dean Malenko was one of the judges and during the match. I thought that was I an did. incredible stare down. I thought that was an incredible callback to their WCW like blood feud they had back like around '98 uh, when they were just like completely going at it in the summer uh, in WCW. I also loved the W the Lion Tamer was like his old school Lion uh, yeah. Tamer where he was cranking it in when he was stomping on Cody's head at the end. That was like really vicious. Um, also, keep in mind, I think they're only doing quarterly pay per views at this point, so hmm. Cody and MJF might not even actually have the match until like late January or February. So they can still build to it without it just immediately happening in December. I think, uh, I think Cody's out of action a, until 2020, actually. That that would be ideal. I think that needs a, a slower buildup. I think they had to make the turn now just because it was the perfect setting with him going up against Jericho. But a slower build to that type of feud between MJF and Cody, we're going to get a lot more backstory on that relationship, how they were actually best friends at that time. I think it's going to really, really pay off. Yeah, and I also build. think we'll eventually you know get to I... an elite versus inner circle all-out match, right? Like a, yeah. a war games, a two-ring match. Like I, I could totally see that happening. What'd you guys think about the fact that there were something different, something AEW's doing is the fact that there were just judges to begin with. That's not something I've ever seen in, in pro wrestling. What, like, what, what, what was that all about? It's a slow introduction because what they want to do, and, and this is exactly what you see with those time limit matches, is yeah. they're eventually going to introduce that as a way to end a match and have it be a judge's decision Ooh. and have it be unpopular with the crowd. And that's exactly what they did with the whole judges wow. thing. Wow, the, I can think that can lead to the time limit. That can, that's a great. I think that it could lead to some. I mean, that leaves the door open for a lot of uh, oh, pretty, pretty cool storylines. Yeah. You can bring in a bunch of different personalities into that judge role that dictate how yeah, matches finish. So, I, I, it's it's a slow introduction to a bigger hot unraveling. take right there, Professor. Hot take. Now, I do want to change matches real quick, and we focus on two main matches, but I, I do want to go back to the hardcore match versus. Uh, Moxley and Omega, but uh, did anyone else find the mouse traps just to be a little comical? <laughs> Is that the only thing we're going to talk about? It was the only thing that was like, what? Like when they pulled that out, you're like, what? Like, is this really happening? So I completely agree. I felt like that was uh, of everything. Like the least little, like it, it took you away. It took uh, from the tension of the match. It kind of, I just envision, uh, <sighs> Kenny Omega on, on Friday night sitting there with a hot glue gun, hot gluing all the mousetraps <laughs> to this 
piece and be like, oh, fuck you, John Moxley. I'm going to kill you. He's like, slowly <laughs> hot gluing them and then opening them and then slowly sliding it under the ring. Like, Sedley said this on the plane. He was like, that janitor is in a lot of trouble. He left a lot of stuff under that ring. Things <laughs> just kept coming. So things kept coming. And who would have thought that barbed wire broom would do more damage than a barbed wire bat? There were. Dude, the barbed wire broom was they were dragging the barbed that wire was across backs. Yeah, it was intense. Well, you did, did anybody think that they did anybody think that they crossed the line just a little bit when they acted like they were trying to stab each other with a pile driver or a, a screwdriver? Like, that, that, to me, yeah. that got a little bit too like like I, I'm not a, yes. a father, but would you watch that with well, your kids that, and feel comfortable? No, no, like no, no, no. He's, he's not trying to stab him in the heart with a screwdriver. You're not a father that you know, Derek. You could have many illegitimate children across this great country. To be to be honest about the matches in general, I feel like they this rivalry was so heated. I feel like, and the mousetraps are a big kind of a big proponent of this, but I I don't know if I was super happy with the match. Just overall, I think it was entertaining. I don't like. I don't need too far. I think it was too far. I don't think they need to do it again. What I did like was the whole angle where this does not count. It was actually unsanctioned since wins and losses count in uh, AEW. This was stricken from the record because it was too barbaric. And you also had um, um, Omega coming out on Twitter, basically calling out Moxie saying, hey, you didn't do the job. You didn't kill me. It's still on. So I I feel like AEW is still going to segue this into an actual sanctioned match. And we'll be able to close this storyline out and move it along. I feel like AEW does a great job with transitioning storylines very yeah. quickly. Don't, don't you think this it was a, in large uh, a take on the fact that WWE cannot produce something? Yes. They, they can't produce something like that. You're so I think that, right. that if you let me speak, Professor, I was going to get to that I'm part. That me I'm hyping you up. But yes, I, I, I agree with myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get in that everything Matt said about Kenny Omega gluing mousetraps to a wooden board like a late on Friday night, like would work for his gimmick. Like he's such a fucking weirdo that like that could be a promo video that would totally be in kayfabe of like, yeah, he got the young bucks to like help him. Like they probably would make a YouTube video out of it because he's like that weird. That's how we would prepare for the match. And I will also say that when John, John Moxley left WWE, I was really excited to just see him do whatever the fuck he wanted. And he was so happy this entire match. He, I mean, he was awesome. Like he was completely in character and he was just doing like everything in terms of Dean Ambrose ever promising to go insane or go off the fringe. This was him finally being able to do that, which made people uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm sure that's what he wanted to yeah. accomplish. So I think again, B sounds like too low of a grade in my personal opinion, but full gear was a success and I can't see, wait till see what AEW does next. I mean, Sedley, as your kind of reintroduction since the golden era of wrestling, what was your take overall? I mean, overall, I was engaged. I I, I, I liked the, and this may sound, this sounds weird as I think about it. I, it was violent, right? Yeah. And but that tied me in. I was I, I, I was tied to this. The mouth, I started laughing when I saw mousetraps. Though. Yeah. And, and again, I think that's where we all landed. Is it may have just been a little too far. Yeah. Right. Great quality, far. but we could have done without some things. Yeah. I also find it interesting that they main evented the pay-per-view with the unsanctioned match interesting place yeah, i mean i don't think you can really follow mousetraps 
maybe or barbed wire once, once you start tearing up the ring you're not going to be able to have any other yeah. matches but, but again that. from what i'm understanding and getting the crash course over the last couple hours on the plane they are doing what the wwe <laughs> cannot do correct right and i think that was the play correct. right these guys are gaining ratings they're trying Absolutely. to get viewership and they're doing what others cannot just like the deliberation chamber <laughs> just like the deliberation chamber I, you think Corey Graves does this on his after the bell <laughs> fuck no that is a lot of margaritas <laughs> to, a lot of margaritas a lot of extra sour mix on on those um, I just I mean I hate to be Debbie Downer about AEW because I think we're all super entertained by him and I, obviously the pay-per-view was great but like it goes back to what D Money said a couple weeks ago. It's like there's a lot of built-in advantages with this stuff, and like I'm not super bought into all this shit yet. Like it, it's just like it, I don't know. It's just like it's. I mean, I think the the no holds bar, no holds barred match kind of goes along with that. It's like what what. What else are they going to do now? Like, are they ever going to have another hardcore unsanctioned match? Like, what the fuck? Are they going to bring out bear traps from under the ring now? Like, they're taking they're taking everything too far too early on, and it scares me because that's what you know the WCW did with the NWO, yeah. right? Like, they took everything well, too I, far I, I too, early too desperate on. again. I, I that's I'm a good take. A lot of this, that's right. A, that's because a, I look at I. I my that, you know is, what that is? Suddenly, that's a hot take of the week. That's a hot take. Of so week Chris right Jericho, there. right? He he got a huge contract, and from what I've been told, he was a huge star. But when they zoomed in on him for what seemed to be about five minutes, and I saw his man boobs hanging down, like that guy would look like <laughs> to be in rough shape. He is on the tail end of his career. I, would they pay yeah. him too much to try to grab? I will say I agreed with Sedley. Like Jericho uh, isn't in the best shape of his career right now. He can still go in the ring, but he is. Uh, he had boobs. Yeah, and that on that one angle, guy. That's that's true, one hundred percent. I mean, he obviously has added weight, but he doesn't need to carry that show by being an expert yeah. in the ring. He's a guy who can call a match, who can work a match, and still be still call on some of his old move sets to to get the crowd going. But he is there to carry that show on the mic from episode to episode and lead that inner circle. And he's doing an that's absolute a great point, Matt. You didn't get to that. see some of the promos we were talking about. You were seeing watching mostly in ring action. The disrespect that I'm hearing towards La Champion, and you guys are just a little jealous that you're not sipping a little bit of the bubbly, you know, with each championship match. Shut up, all right? You guys are all fucking haters because here's the deal, right? AEW delivers week after week because each match matters. Hey, Jeff, no, by the way, Jeff, what performance? Week after week, it's been it's been six weeks. I'm not done making my point. Let me make my point. What you're seeing is it compared against weak matches on the WWE that is just carrying some meaningless storylines. So while you think that it might run out, you're right. We might not see a hardcore match like that for a long time, but I don't think we need to. I think we've got it. We've got it out of our system. We can continue with the great matches that are being provided to us, and we can move on. For, you guys are all haters. All right? Drink a little bit of the bubbly. All right? Enjoy your champion. All right. Well, maybe you need to back off the bubbly a little bit, Professor, because we're not all haters. <laughs> yes, I agree. I the There's bubbly. only one the person bubbly. on the chamber right now, in the chamber, that has taken their picture with La Champion. Chris Jericho at Universal Studios Florida in the late 90s, and that's Brian G. 
Brian G had the guts. I'm a close friend. I'm a close friend of Jericho, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm sorry, guys. His his body is completely in character for him. He's playing a washed up like rock star, like a has been who's in the twilight of his career. It's it's so perfect, and he can still work, man. Like you compare him to anyone else when they're. Uh, I think he just turned 49. Um, still doing a lion salt like Hogan. All those dudes in WCW weren't working his work rate still, um, and I think he can still go with the best of them i mean he was going in wrestle kingdom with kenny omega in the last couple of years um i i honestly think some of the promos he's been cutting in aew i know it's cliche to say like it's the best work of his career but it's the best fucking work of his career he gets everything over he gets over it's on the list he gets over le champion and uh, a little bit of the bubbly uh chris jericho is fucking one of the greatest of all time he's in the fucking conversation he's incredible he's so versatile he reinvents himself almost every fucking year um he's exceptional um he's incredible Dovin Mitz are back. All right. I it's time for it. the host to take control of this match again. It's turned into a WCW style schmaz. We got to get to the. We got to get to the. <laughs> all right, guys. So, greatest managers of all time. Now, by definition here, I do not want valets. I think Miss Elizabeth is one of the uh, most beautiful women to ever walk the planet. Also, someone that Brian G has spent time with at a Cracker Barrel. Uh, she was having lunch with Lex Luger. This is a true story. Um, but I do not want to talk about greatest valets of all time. We got to get down to brass tacks. Greatest managers of all time. This is the take of the week. And also, I'm just going to remind everyone in the chamber because it's getting crowded right now that we still have not handed out the. So everyone be very, very careful. Uh, I know the professor is getting real close to chomping down. The whistle pig's kicking in. So let's start off with none other than D-Rock, Derek Anderjack, fathering children all over this country he doesn't even know about. Derek, (laughs) greatest manager of all time. Fellas, I'm glad I get to lead this off. I'm not sure you're going to be happy I get to lead this off, but I'm happy I get to lead this off. The greatest manager in WWE history is none other than Bobby the Brain Heenan. Let me tell you why. Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Mr. Perfect, Harley Race, Arn Anderson and the Brain Busters. And one of my personal favorites, but probably not as as lucrative for him, but the Barbarian in the Red Rooster. Bobby the Brain Heenan, the D-Rock, top manager that is of WWE a great history. take, and I don't think anyone can disagree with you. He laid the foundation for what it means to be a great manager. From his, I mean, he basically invented distracting a referee. He he invented over boasting where you need to go. I mean, if you even just go back to the work he did for the build up to WrestleMania three, where it was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, that match wouldn't have been what it was without Bobby the Brain Heenan. So I think that's a fantastic take. I mean, you just went hard with. Let, let's let's not forget too. He parlayed that into a phenomenal broadcasting career with the WWE as well. Yeah, one next of the, the greatest soccer of all time. So great take. All right, we're gonna go to uh, the guest host of the night, Mister Matt Sedley, for his. My, my, man. Oh no! Hot take of the week. Hot take of the week on best manager <laughs> of all time. Nobody's. So, nobody's right. so so I gotta go back to the golden game. age, and that's that's a lot of the experience I have to pull from. I'm going with my, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Woo! All right, so 
I remember playing this guy in video ga- games in the ring, winning championships in the ring, and then he makes a transition to management, right? And what does he do outside of the ring, right? I mean, he takes on uh, he takes on Sicko Sid, Tatanka, the Million Dollar Corporation, and then we go over to to manage DX, and then in a week, over to NWO, and he makes it work, right? Can this guy be stopped? I don't think so. I mean, that's and again, really it all take. starts where I was cut in this industry, and that's in the '80s. Wow! And and when he was winning me championships at the video arcade over at Chuck E. Cheese, I'm winning games with him in the ring. He's my go-to as the manager. Wow! Wow! Uh, so the best manager is one on a, a bunch of little Laffy Taffy candies? Like, I mean, come on, what is this? I mean, I'm doing? basing this off of the career. You look at his career. Who can make the transition from to, to Tonka to, to these all different things to DX and then NWO? Who has who who has the ability to transition like that? I mean, one of the greatest talker, one of the greatest like talkers the of all time, like and that's a unique there. take. I mean, I can't wait for you to tell us all, uh, Professor, that your choice is Paul Heyman. You're a Paul Heyman guy. I can't wait for that. <laughs> So we're not going to do you next because we all know your fucking choice. And his name is uh, Million Dollar Man, too. I mean, yeah. what a great name. I mean, he lived his gimmick. So, sadly, I think that's a fantastic take. Way to just come into the chamber hot. Uh, we're going to go to none other than Brian Oven Mitts Gonzalez because those takes are so hot. You got to wear oven mitts. Who is the greatest manager of all time? This is extreme i'm the paul Heyman guy my friend i'm coming in hot for paul Heyman. um let's let's be real guys he started out uh, as paul e dangerously he represented stuff like the dangerous alliance a dope stable with larry zabisco ravishing rick rude um stunning steve austin this guy represented mean mark calloway back in the day um he he is so convincing in his promos uh he is so fucking good and such a great talker and one of the greatest minds in the business ever uh that not only when is he able to represent and sell his his talent he was also able to get over the opponent and gave her to sell and get over the entire match right he's an incredible promoter he basically went on to be the manager of the entire ecw locker room like let's be real he was literally everyone's manager he would cut promos on everyone he would teach them how to cut promos he represented all of them and then in his latest tenure in the modern age with brock lesnar um i know it can seem simple and repetitive but he is carrying every single feud brock lesnar has ever had since he came back in 2013 that includes two WrestleMania main events with Roman Reigns. Go back and watch those videos. They're incredible. Um, it's, it's literally just Paul Heyman by himself talking, and usually Roman and Brock are just staring each other down. And Paul sells both of those huge, massive, multi-million dollar pay-per-view headliners completely by himself. He's, he's incredible. He's a revolutionary. Also, he's, he's fucking got dip his toe uh, in the Paul summer Heyman. of punk. You left that out, but I mean... Paul, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it, it, like incredible, incredible stable of dudes, and, and the fact that he was representing Brock when he ended the streak, like that's got to count for yeah. something. He was sitting ringside. Um, I, I think I that love that you brought up the Dangerous Alliance, one of the most underrated factions or stables of all time. I told Sedley, I was t- explaining to him uh, stables on the plane earlier today. By the way, the poor people around us on the Southwest flight for three hours. I was like, yes, stable. He's like, yeah, the guys. The guys he hangs out yeah. with, I was like, kind of, but it's more important than that. Like, they're, like, tight. And then during the boarding process, we were watching the the matches with the volume up. Yes, we were watching <laughs> matches with volume up. So, hot take. Great job, Oven Mitts. You nailed that. I can't wait to hear what kind of bullshit 
the Lavender <laughs> Prince comes with here because I know he thinks he's the Heyman guy. So you got to come with something different now, Mikey. What is your hot take of the week? Best manager of all time. I I no. am not the Heyman guy here, um, but I am the oh yes, Paul Bear. <laughs> oh, no. No. That the was greatest the greatest Paul Bear of all time. Impression of all time. <laughs> I don't even understand what you did. So you oh know what God. just happened, Mike? You it know hurts. what just happened? You are. I mean, four times career, four well, times. This was, I mean, that's fine. I know you have your little power trigger on that finger that jabroni of the week. Just because I'm the only one that's the Can we hear it again? I'm the only one that has the One more time. Give it to us one more time. I'm the only one that has the Do your, do your, do your, Jeff. Cut. do your polar bear. Let's hear it. Do it one more time. Come on. Come on. Anyway. He's one of the best. <laughs> All right, just whatever. Paul, Paul Bear, one of the best. His his involvement, let me get this out. His involvement and storylines are better than anyone that we've ever even talked about on this, uh, that, we've, that we've talked about thus far. He uh, introduces to a character by the name of Kane um, weeks before the guy even debuted, right? Even before we saw anybody, he built that guy up. Without Paul Bear, Kane doesn't exist. Plain and simple. He managed the great one of the greatest, arguably, arguably the greatest wrestler of all time, The Undertaker. Um, and he also managed a couple other folks in between, Mankind being one of them. Um, his involvement in storylines are unbelievable. And yes, he had an unbelievable catchphrase, Matt. I know you Wait, don't what like was those. the catchphrase? Um, but at the end of the day. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm not sure how much weight my opinion carries, but I, I, I like your I like your play here. I mean, again, going back to, to, to my day, seeing this guy, he was he was there while Undertaker was burying people. He may have buried people himself. I yeah. mean, he, he he sticks out in my mind as one of the big players um, back in the early 90s, late 80s. I'm going to tell you this, though. Uh, I'm going to do agree. a much better Paul And the only Bear reason I got the jabroni of the week, Prince. No, Go oven mitts, Ken. Oven mitts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's actually really good. <laughs> that is much better. And by the way, Mike, this is why you're... You got the brownie at the week, man! Because Paul Bearer, he, he managed three people, two of which were his sons, one of which he let to die in a fire in his house. He is a very irresponsible father. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's real dark. So, I mean, way to just Google good managers and go with whatever well, popped up first. I mean, you. well, first off, you botched the storyline. The whole fucking storyline was that Kane didn't die in the fire, but I don't know what Google, I don't know what Wikipedia page you're reading, but it's the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, the professor, greatest manager of all time. Oh. All right, the best manager. I feel a lot of people are on this. It's not somebody that wrestles. It's not uh, uh, we a good uh, one, Jeff. That comes out. 
I'm, I'm going back. I've already told you guys. It's Teddy Long, baby. Holla, 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 baby. All right. This is the only manager that we've ever seen. In That's never the- managed anyone. Shut up, Prince. It is the only manager that we have ever seen come in as a manager and overtake a show into a supervisor boss mentality. Teddy Long did it with SmackDown way back in the early 2000s. Way back, right, guys? But anyways, his work with Mark Henry, I thought, was fantastic. Him being the guy that hyped up the the world's strongest man. Fantastic work. Better than anything that the Lavender Prince is going to throw at you. I'm in. I'm out. The hot take of the week is Teddy Long is one of the greatest managers of all time. Hailing! From Marietta, Georgia, baby. Get yourself wow, that's some chick That's a hot take. So, all right. As the person that has to finish this out, Mike, hey, Mike can you, you shut your mouth? <laughs> shut your mouth, Mike. You got the brownie of the week, man. We'll be giving away a t-shirt on Instagram later this week. All right. But here's the thing. So, I'm the last one that gets to, to sew this bad boy up. And uh, I had a lot of thoughts on this. At first, I thought, I got to go with Jimmy... The heart, right? Jimmy, the mouth of the South heart, the heart foundation, one of the greatest factions of all time. What he did with Hulk Hogan and WCW still does with Hulk Hogan, but that was too obvious. I didn't like that. Then I go, you know what? I got to take a hard left on this. Eric Bischoff, the professor's favorite, one of the greatest managers of all time. If you think about it this way, he was the manager of the NWO. What he did for the NWO without throwing any punches is just unmatched in the 90s when it comes to the Monday Night Wars. Does anyone disagree with that? Of course you don't, because it's a fucking great hot take. But I'm not going with that. I'm not going with Eric Bischoff, even though he's going to show up on AEW next week, according to the Prince. Who I'm going with is Scary Sherry Martell. Now, I know what you might be thinking right now. She was a valet. She was not a valet, because she involved herself on what was going on with the king, Macho Man Randy Savage. She interfered in his matches. She set up his matches. Sherry Martell, if you listen to any other podcast, which is not worth anything, is the greatest manager of all time. Mike, drop. That's how we're going to end this, because no one else is disagreeing with me. D-Rock went to bed. I fell asleep. I fell asleep after listening to you for like three seconds. What did you say again? Just just run it back one more time. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, at least I'm not the jabroni of the week like Mike. All right. Before we get out of here, hot takes That's of the fair. week. We got through managers. Derek, what's your hot take of the week? What's going to happen to the world of wrestling? <laughs> My hot take of the week is we saw the birth of something phenomenal in NXT. Mike, you alluded to it earlier. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mike, you alluded to it earlier on the show. Finn Balor, he's charging from the heel side, and I cannot wait to watch the feuds that uh, that persist there. Finn Balor is going to be the top heel the rest of the way, and by WrestleMania, he'll be one of the main features. All right, Professor. Gotta get back to your margarita machine. Hot take of the week. 
Well, as much as I appreciate the effort to get me back to that Marg machine, Jimmy Buffett, shout out to you, man. I thought Derek was coming in with a, a hot birth of the week with Lana and Rusev news, but um, I'm excited to see that come to an end soon. We've already heard some uh, undertakings of that. Here's my hot take of the week. Alexa Bliss signs with AEW prior to the end of January 31st. 2020. Right, we got Hot some time to track that. And by the way, Jeff, you are very close to becoming. You're that jabroni of the week, man. Doesn't matter. It doesn't count. We've already distributed it, and I will come back with fire and fury next week to debate that point. Matt so Simply, hot take of the week. What is the hottest thing that is going <laughs> to happen in wrestling in the next few weeks? Well, I'm not sure I'm prepared to predict the future. But what I can give you is what I've seen the last couple of days in getting prepared for this podcast. And that is that these gentlemen that were on TV last night on what I believe was the USA Network. That's um, true. They look like they, they look like they were from Braveheart. Yes, uh, the you, Viking Raiders. You've called them the Kabuki Warriors? No, that's no, no, that's the Japanese girls. <clears throat> I have my facts wrong, but you get who I'm referencing. <laughs> the point is, my hot take of the week is these guys are the next coming of the Bushwhackers. Oh, that is it's a, a blast take. from the past. I saw them running around in their, their Braveheart gear, and the first thing that popped into my head is, holy shit, we have the Bushwhackers. Hot take of the week! That's hot. That's hot right there. All right, Lavender Prince, hot take of the week. My, my man! All right, guys, I think I mentioned this a couple... Uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned this a couple... A couple Best weeks ago, but of all time. no, at the end of the day, I don't think we've even addressed, we my haven't addressed the fact that my Survivor my Series is in Chicago. Actually in Rosemont, to be honest with you. Um, but I believe that CM Punk will show up at Survivor Series. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, Mike. We're going to move on. Brian Avonmitz Gonzalez, father of Leo and Betty May. What's your hot take of the week? Does everyone have their oven mitts on? Coming coming right at you guys. No, uh, look, Chris Jericho is doing some of the best uh, work of his entire career. He is basically in the Hollywood Hogan phase of his career. Um, He is going to go down and at least be in the conversation for one of the greatest of all time. I don't know if that's actually a hot take of the week, more of a just a statement. Fact. Yeah, that's fact. Kind of the best kind yeah. of hot. I'm not gonna lie. I think Chris Jericho sucks. Oh, here's my hot take of the week right now. <laughs> Seth Rollins becomes NXT champ in the next three weeks, and oh. I'm not happy about What's that. Up? That's going to happen. And he's going to burn it down. He's going to burn it down to the ground. And after he burns it down, then Paul Bear is going to come back to life because he's been passed away for two years now. And he's going to be, Kane! Kane! And then we're going to have a hell in the cell. Adam Cole, Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston. With the referee disqualification. My, 
Mamma mia! Well, this was one of the most interesting deliberation chambers of all time. It's definitely going to get our ratings up over 70 listeners a week. I think we're in a top 100 for the first time in a couple of weeks. But before we get out of here, Jeff, where can the people find us? The people can find us week after week. There's only one place you can go to be in the know for everything professional wrestling. That's going to Instagram and following Deliberation Chamber. Spelled phonetically, there's no changes. There's no gimmicks. We don't hide shit. We give you the real news. No fake news when it comes to the Deliberation Chamber. Each week, follow us. We're going to post a new podcast live on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, please drop a comment. Please drop a five-star rating because we're anything but a five-star rating. And then also when you have some time and some extra spare cash to burn off of that Friday paycheck, what you want to do is find yourself over at ProWrestlingTees.com and find yourself some sweet, some too sweet Deliberation Chamber merch. We've got two t-shirts available right now. The original official Deliberation shirt, as well as you're the jabroni of the week if you want to represent the Lavender Prince week after week at your family's bar mitzvah. So get yourself over to ProWrestlingTees.com. You're the jabroni of the week, 